0: Uh, so, I would love to open the conversation in terms of the work process and what it was like to get this film off the ground right, considering you 've been trying to make this film for forty years and you 're only forty three <laughs> yeah 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 no i haven't so the way
1: worked, the way it worked was um we were uh, i was i know well, what was going on we'd just done field in England and um and it had come to a point where it looked like we could. We never thought about this before because we come from such a low budget area, but but it, now it was becoming a, a possibility to license books, right? So we, I think Amy and I, have been through the process of looking at rights for books and talking to the authors or to the authors' families and stuff, and it was all you know, um, it was getting there. And then I saw High Rise on the shelf, and I thought, what? Well, High Rise hasn't been made. That's weird. So I talked to my agent, and my agent um, said that. Uh, Jeremy Thomas had the rights to it and then but very quickly um, I went to see him and uh, and he'd seen sightseers the same week which was really lucky you know um and he was coming to the end of a, of a cycle of, of of development with another director and writers and so it all kind of clicked together so it was it was really lucky really i mean um, and if that hadn't happened we'd have just gone back to the developing of our own scripts and done another one of the original scripts so.
0: Uh, I love that an old school guy like Jeremy Thomas got his, got his teeth into sightseers.
1: Yeah, well, but Jeremy's like you know he's all across everything all the time. You know that's the I think that's the interesting thing with the proper kind of um, old school professional characters is they have to know all about cinema. I mean, I certainly I was talking to someone the other day who's an art director and he was being interviewed by Ridley Scott for a job, and Ridley Scott knew every film he'd done and it, from the beginning of his career up to the thing, and he'd watched them all because he has to know about everything you know I think it's and I think it's pretty important all that
0: was it a no-brainer to set it in the 70s for you
1: yeah that was our idea to that we wanted to, well it, it, it it's more that you just go we're adapting the book what's the book it's then it's not now it's the past looking to the future rather than trying to adapt the, the actual future plus 20 years and then try and chew on the book into it, it seemed to make more sense to to go back to, and I thought also I think by by now the seventies actually becomes kind of a more interesting visual space than it probably was in the seventies for the seventies audience. I'm interested in you know, that, and one of the reasons why not to set it now or in like, in the future because now is not interesting for us, you know. So yeah,
0: but there was also a lot of seventies film flowing all the way through, and I felt mm-hmm. I was even going to say yeah, I I'm, I'm sure it's pure coincidence, but. I was looking at Luke Evans and I said, "God, he reminds me of the protagonist from Frenzy." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well, he, there, it's not, it wasn't as literal as that, but we, we were, we, we talked to Luke about looking at Oliver Reed and kind of that he was basing it around that to a degree, you know. Obviously, it's all Luke, it's but there's a swagger to Reed and the that I think, I think helped Luke get him in, in his right in the headspace of it but you know there's nothing it's not as it's, th- these kind of influences are never as literal as like a, a like a straight lift you know they're just they're things they're more echoes than anything I think.
0: did you avoid uh, going near any of the other uh, attempts at it in terms of scripts Bruce Robinson's work and Nicholas Wright
1: yeah I never saw any of those yeah. which is a shame I'd like to have seen the Rogue one I mean I'd look I'd maybe I'd look now now the film's made and the Robinson scripts meant to be amazing as well but you
0: know, it's, it's interesting. He avoided the Lang's name. He changed him to Love All, I think. Yeah,
1: it's weird, isn't it? I don't know.
0: And there was another adaptation to try to set the whole thing in a desert. It's just one big complex in the middle of the desert. I can't remember the filmmaker's name. Yeah. But uh, I suppose it, again, everyone tries to put their mark on it. I mean, what would you feel your own mark is on the work as a, as an adaptation?
1: I think the thing that we that Amy and I brought to it is that is perspective of of time. You know, so that. The, the particular axe that we have to grind is like an idea of what the 70s was and having been children through it and that we're, that our parents would have been the same age as Lang and Charlotte and Wilder and all those people so I have a knowledge of, a working knowledge of it and an emotional knowledge of it and I think that's the that's, it's that married with the book is the thing that, that makes the film, that gives the film its charge I think
0: it's funny for some reason that after I watched uh, that that poem, and um, I can't remember the poet, they, they fuck you up your mum and dad. Mm. <laughs> it was resonating in my head. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I haven't seen that many cigarette smoking film, and I think you, continuity people must have hated you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, uh, it, it is a tricky one, uh, smoking and continuity. I think drinking's harder, but I think the main thing is just to not give a fuck. I mean, uh, it, you know, my my favourite director. Is Scorsese and like you know he doesn't give two fucks about continuity ever you know and quite right as long as the emotionally the scenes run it doesn't make any difference unless it's really egregious but I think you know mostly no one notices only pedants and people are looking at stuff that they shouldn't be looking at you know it's like you shouldn't really notice it if you're engaged in the scene.
0: True. In Down Terrace, you said a lovely thing at the uh, the talk you gave during the John Ford weekend. And it was to do with warning the cameraman that he wasn't to be hanging around lighting things up. Again, mm. it was the nature of a quite heavily improvised piece you did. Mm. What was it like? Did you feel? Was it, did you have? Did you lose those freedoms in a big way when you went to something like High Rise, which got so much virtuoso technicality in a different fashion?
1: Um, I think that a majority of the film was done in available light, but artificial available light. So all the sets had ceilings, and then the light. Laurie lit it from the outside, so he had to he had to um, approximate the sun and those kinds of things. So that there was a massive challenge for him there. But once we were inside the space, we could move pretty quick. So it wasn't, I mean, as lovely as it looks, it's not as controlled. It's not that kind of world of like loads of flag stands and loads of little lights and stuff. It is, it's a much more um, environmental lighting that we then we then we were reported from from inside it.
0: So the freedoms were still there for the actors? Yeah, well, we
1: didn't want to break the process that we... We ha- we were having to adapt to a lot of new kind of ways of working and we didn't want to pull away the one thing that we knew, which was how to make films, you know. So we kind of... We weren't going to go suddenly and sh- go at 90 degrees to what we've always done. I think it's a gradual development that Laurie and I have had over the over the six movies is like you know, you can see it in the lens choice as well. Like for, So you can tell we've come from TV because... Down terrace is very shallow focus, and then slowly we've kind of grown up a bit and gone out and out and out until yeah, until it's much more deep focus. Um, and uh, and also, you know, the tracking and dolly stuff is is some is not something you can immediately do well, you know. And it's taken a long. I mean, I, I was lucky enough to do ideal the TV show, so I could I practiced quite a lot on that, but that was a few years ago, you know. So I haven't had much dolly practice. but that's actually why I did. Do, Doctor Who that year, the same year, was so that I could just sharpen up and shoot shoot a lot of stuff fast, but a kind of medium budget. Um, so Doctor Who is about a million an hour or something like that. So in the end, it's it's a little bit less. It's half as much as High Rises, but it kind of um, you get the same level of equipment and um, and storytelling kind of. You know, you have to block fast and shoot fast, and and that was a re- it was a good kind of boot camp for me to get back into. You've it was a
0: challenge to kind of be under red- different restrictions. Yeah, yeah, and
1: I did, and I and I went into that on purpose, you know, and did it like that. I mean, what well, obviously one half of doing Doctor Who was as I was a fan, and and I wanted to do something so my son could watch, but the other half of it was definitely going right. Fuck it, I'm gonna I'm gonna really bash this out and and um, uh, and be as much on my game as I can before doing high rise.
0: So it was your preparation, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of ideal, by the way, you came in very late in that, and you still had a major impact on it as a director, and I hear you possibly, is it a big rumour, or is it going to happen in the ideal movie?
1: I don't know, I mean, that uh, that all got press released without anyone asking me, so it's like, great. <laughs> we'll see. Well, I see
0: you get Graham Duff was in your film there, yeah. yeah, yeah. I didn't spot him, but he was there. He's, yeah. he's
1: the bloke, he's in the supermarket, and he goes, I bet you issued... Been in, uh, waiting in the queue now. That's <laughs> it. <I'm him. sorry.
0: laughs> I had to go to Manchester to get my uh, the complete ideal. It's really my, hard to get over here. The, season one, and that's it. Really, yeah. You know, I was in Manchester. My girlfriend's uh, born over there, and um, I was, was. It was Christmas, and soon I saw a complete ideal box set. <laughs> yeah, they spelled my name wrong on it. I'm really chuffed about <laughs> I <saw> that. that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, you've, you. have You've got so much. Here. I mean, you, as you. I think you said it yourself that you were making stuff for YouTube when it was YouTube, hmm. when the internet was the internet. which yeah, you yeah. agree it's not now? I mean, w- w- what would you say to people who are the next generation? It seems that they seem to be changing so quickly. If you know what I mean, in terms of what way the work is is presented for a young filmmakers. I don't
1: something. know. It's really hard. I mean, I. You know, my. I think I had. You have a half life on your um on your advice, and mine's run out you know what I mean it's like I, mine was relevant f- for about five years ago, and it's not relevant anymore
0: you're old school now <laughs> well I think the
1: thing is is that the only advice that you can give is is to make stuff, and it's really um it's really an unhelpful bit of advice because the 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 only stuff that you can make that will help you is good if it's good. It will help you, and if it's not good, it won't, and that's it. You know, but the, I think the main thing is that you have to keep making and not waiting, because the waiting is pointless. And um, and the more thing, and every time you make something, you'll improve. So, um, and if that, and I think the other thing I found is because I, I, you know, I was forty by the time I made um just about forty, I think, by the time I made Down Terrace, is that if you keep at it, eventually. You can it's, you know there is no there is no stop date when it becomes irrelevant you know i mean I always look at it from um uh wells at twenty six it's like your your first date disappointing age when you are oh, fuck i made a film at twenty six the other end is Ken Russell at fifty, so he makes his first feature even though he had a career of making amazing television, but he doesn't really direct his first film till he's fifty so yeah and even even um Paul Verhoeven, where he made loads of movies in Holland, but RoboCop is like fifty-two when he made that. So you know, you there, there is a chance, and the, the longer you keep holding out, then the more chance you've got of you well, yeah, being <laughs> the last man standing. It's true, it's absolutely true, and also as you get older, you get better, at it. We, You Which know, it's kind of interesting.
0: And, and then Russell went the other way in terms of all his one-man home movies that he made, where no one will back him anymore, and yeah. he had an amazing body of work in, from fifty to what.
1: 70, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, incredible. And he was just really unlucky, Russell, I think, because if, if he'd have been 10 years younger, he would have not hit all that um, crappy mini DV stuff, and he probably would have shot it on, on you know, DSLR, and then it all that stuff probably would have been really great, you know. Yeah,
0: that's true. That's a really interesting point. Mm-hmm. I think it was the last thing he did in Edgar Allan Poe Adaptation.
1: Well, no doubt
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and then he did it for real when he wore his house to the ground <laughs> yeah. I think his real version of uh, follow the house i sure. <laughs> thanks Ben. I know you're worn out and you've had a long date so I, uh, no final questions if any final word good look at the movie by the way oh well, cheers man I mean well, yeah, one last question I mean again you don't go the easy road in terms of what, where your subject matter is mm. and you've got a, you do have I think a strong kind of following but was it really tough sell to get high rise finance? No, it wasn't.
1: It didn't they didn't seem to be much resistance to it at all. It was great, um, and we felt really lucky when we were making it because it really felt like the last big, kind of crazy art film that will be done, you know, for a while. So it, that was where the responsibility was. I mean, obviously there was a responsibility to the book, but I think it's that is that the you know the last time that for a while that 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 something like this will be made. You know, thank Dormant. you very much. Thank you, man. Appreciate mate.
0: it. And good luck tonight.